Welcome to the Gin Ignite podcast. Whether you want to party or stay in, gin will ignite. This is the weekly show coming to you on a Friday, ready for the weekend, where we go through all things gin. If you want to find more out more information, catch me on Instagram at Gin Ignite or alternatively go to the website www.ginignite.com. Welcome to the show and let's get on with it. Hello and welcome to episode 13. Today I'm joined by Ian Paget from Logo Geek, who talks us all through things brand. I also put him on the spot because I came up with a brand new gin concept. Not real, I have to say, although I did speak to a distiller this week that might be able to put it together, but I'm not really sure I'm quite ready for that. But he was really interesting and it sort of stimulated a lot of debate about how we would go about sort of uh, designing that gin. And uh, I hope you enjoy it, but more about that a bit later on. Thank you very much for the kind words from the Edge Gin. I put up a post at the weekend using the Edge Pear Gin and creating a dry martini. And they were very kind in their comments to me. So thank you for that. It really means a lot to me. It also means a lot to me that Kerry from at glass of gin underscore packet of seeds said that she liked watching my Instagram stories. It really makes it worthwhile. I sometimes think when I'm doing Instagram stories that nobody's looking at them, but now I know, know at least one person's looking at them, which is really, really good news. Tristan from last week's episode really made me laugh over the weekend because he just threw out a cocktail, as you do. Burrell's Breeze, sort of orange in colour, and it looks so refreshing on a hot summer's day. Girls on Gin got to 3,000 followers, which is really, really amazing, and I'm really, really pleased for them. And also, I could not do this episode without referencing the Gin Lord. When I first saw the Gin Lord, I, I thought, mm, I'm not really sure that anybody can call themselves the Gin Lord. Well, they absolutely can. You, sir, really captured the mood of Instagram and you really gave a rousing speech to your subjects and what it is that we should be doing and striving for. So thank you for that. It was really, really appreciated. Not just by me. I know I've spoken to a lot of people and it was really, really appreciated. So thank you, sir. Thank you very much for doing that. It really, really helps the community and it really helps the positivity going forward. So thank you very much for that. I really, really appreciate it. And I know the community does. I'm starting a service very soon to help businesses get their voices out to a wider community. So if anybody's interested in working with me, helping them design a podcast, a voiceover or help them design a campaign, please do get in touch. You can do so in the normal ways at Gin Ignite, either on Twitter or Instagram or ben at ginignite.com. My weekly gin recommendation this week is Whitley Neal Quince Gin. I've been a fan of Whitley Neal for a long time. And although I'd say my palate is probably changing a little bit more to the lovely small batch gins that I've been trying over the last few weeks. I've still not really found anyone that can make quince gin quite like Whitley Neal. Quince is sort of the quintessential English fruit that quite a lot of people in the UK haven't even heard of. It sort of looks like a cross between an apple and a lemon and it's kind of usually served in a sort of a jelly form that you have on your morning toast. The nose of this gin is unmistakably quince with sort of an alcoholic undertone. And the palate profile is quite interesting. It sort of starts with an initial sort of sweet taste, which sort of tapers off into just quince, really. Quince is a very unique taste. I'm not sure I can really describe it to you other than it's quince. 
This is followed by a bit of heat from the alcohol. And then you get into the sort of juniper at the back end. I would serve this with a light standard or Mediterranean tonic. And I have to say, I'm now very partial to it with an elderflower tonic. Thank you, LEB30, for passing that information on. That's really, really useful. If you see one of my posts and you think, do you know what, Ben, I think it'd be better with this, please do put a comment there. I always find them really, really useful. I think a stronger tonic would destroy the flavour of this beautiful, beautiful gin, in my opinion. I do think it would be great in cocktails, although I haven't really tried it. Maybe Vanessa, if you're out there at NessieJ91, then perhaps you could advise me on, on how I should uh, go about that. So uh, I don't think it would really work in a dry martini because I think it's just a little too sweet, but it is lovely as a sipping gin. So much so, where is it? I think I'll have another. And now to the main segment. This is my talk with Ian Paget from Logo Geek. When I first started my company, I had a tick list and Logo was one of those ticks. I ticked it, delighted because I'd got my logo done. Well, my brand was all done. Mm, no, maybe it wasn't. I'm still learning, but I know that brand is so much more than just a logo. Ian started Logo Geek in 2011, initially designing logos for friends on the side job as a creative director and went part-time three years ago. And in March this year, nothing to do with COVID for other reasons, which we'll find out very, very soon, he went full-time with Logo Geek. Ian has been featured in Logo Lounge, Photoshop Creative and Net Magazine and has been on the jury for design awards, including the Transform Awards, Best Brand Award and Visual Identity Awards, to name a few. Ian has a massive following on Twitter and he designed some really memorable logos. The best one for me, though, is his brand. It has the word logo and the O and G are like glasses. It's so clever, so effective, and it really mirrors the way Ian talks about logos being simple and memorable. I'm so excited, honoured and humbled to have Ian on the show. Hello, Ian. Hi, Ben. How are you doing? And thank you so much for that amazing introduction. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, I'm honoured to be on. Thank you for inviting me. That's okay. That's absolutely okay. So how did you get into design in the first place? Well, this could be a fairly big story, but I'll try and condense it down. So um, school and college, I was always into um, art, you know, growing up. Uh, I always won like the competitions for like the um, pantomime ticket, and okay. um, I think I yeah I think I had some things on TV. So growing up, it was always a thing that I was good at. And when I finished college, I didn't go on to further education. But when I finished college, I wanted to do something creative. Um, first company I worked at was a print finisher company. So kind of without any experience, kind of managed to get into um, something related. But that was more, you know, finishing off the print, you know, taking off like a printer and running it through these encapsulation machines. But I didn't, I, I realized quite early on, I didn't want to do that. I wanted to do the stuff that the guys were doing on the computer. Didn't know how to do that at that point, but uh, is what I wanted to do. And um, yeah, I did have some careers advice from my uh, from my school and they did say what I wanted to do wasn't possible without going to university. But okay. um, how I eventually got into it 
is um, I managed to get a job at a medical company. I actually started off in a warehouse, but um, I remember in my interview, I did mention I would love to work in graphic design at some point. So um, I was doing quite well at that company and they promoted me to work in this team uh, within the office. And it was mostly admin based work, but there was a small percentage of that job that was graphic design related. So it was making leaflets, posters, other bits and pieces. And uh, uh, long story short, in that company, I was there for about five years and I went from basically not really knowing what I was doing to um, becoming quite an experienced graphic designer. Like I learned a lot on the job and it went from being 10% design to 100% design. Oh, uh, we ended up having a little team of internal designers and we did everything. We did all the photography, we created all the brochures any exhibition stuff that they needed. We, we did everything in-house, whilst previously it was um, sourced out to a company. So that was a kind of right place, right time situation. Okay. Um, so that's how I got into design. I mean, it, 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 that, that, that was quite a few years ago now, because I, I, um, I left that company after five years, and then I went to uh, a web design agency where I'd become a uh, director. I was there for 11 years. On the side of that job, I um uh i i've always done side projects so that's <laughs> been one of the things that i've always really been into and uh uh you know when i was like a teenager it was doing things like um film posters and album covers and uh you know just things for fun just for free um and then i I got involved in this really big project, which was an iPhone game. <laughs> oh, wow. And that was over a long period of time. Uh, I was on and off for about four years on the side of a full-time job, just, just working on that with some game developers. And uh, we did that. And it was after completing that, I, I basically, uh, because I had this demanding full-time job, and was also working on the side on this project I felt pretty burnt out and I didn't really want to do any more um, projects at that scale and uh, um, I, I, I took a little bit of a break it was a, <laughs> only a couple of weeks but I, I got to this point where I wanted to work on another project and my partner at that time she said to me Ian you're really good at logos why don't you work on that a bit more and that's kind of where logo geek came from because i registered a domain um i i started blogging posting the things i did and it it um over a period of time it went from being just this thing online that i was just doing for fun uh working with friends and family to suddenly attracting clients from uh like old school friends and ex work colleagues, and then um, it kind of dominoed from there, really, because I started to attract work from people I didn't know. Okay, and it, everything just kind of went berserk. <laughs> <laughs> it's a long story. I can I can go into the things in in more detail if you want me to, but basically, it, it over a period of uh, that was about eight years ago that I started that. It's it's just gone ridiculous i'm uh 
if you search on Google for logo design, I rank really well on Google, which is something I worked really hard towards. And um, here today, I I work on logo designs and brands and identities pretty much all the time. I have a podcast about logo design. I run a community. I somehow just managed to get the University of Cambridge as a client, which is phenomenal. Wow, that's or logo design, which is just un- unimaginable, really. You know, it's one of the biggest universities in the world. And someone who self-taught that didn't go to university did their logo. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, it's just been absolutely phenomenal. And um, I would say that when I started Logo Geek, at that point, I'd only done really a handful of logos. But now I've read as many books as I can and building the community and doing the podcast I actually feel like I'm at the point now where I actually know what I'm talking about and uh, um, everything's going really well (laughs) absolutely I think you definitely do because I know um, well we both know Philip Van Dusen which who I I think he's an absolute sort of rock star when it comes to brands and he's worked with some of the sort of major and you know you were interviewed by him so you know yeah yeah we I've been on his podcast and he's been on uh mine but yeah he's he's definitely got a lot more experience as me in terms of like agency world but um uh in terms of our past as to what we're both doing now we're doing quite similar things so we have a lot in common in in, in that sense even though we have very different backgrounds yeah but <laughs> you know I, I think you know if you're being interviewed by him to be to be honest you know that that is pretty impressive really so uh yeah. well, c- certainly it is impressive to me so uh <laughs> And you, you went independent sort of at the end of, oh, sorry, in March this year. Yeah. Um, what was the sort of reason for, for doing that? Okay, so I've um, so I've been working for a web design agency for, it was about 11 years. Okay. <laughs> and um, I went part-time about three years ago. And at that time, I actually handed in my notice. And that... Um, uh, Again, it's a. It could be a long story, so I'll try and do the the short version of it. So I'd been working on this side project, Logo Geek, for a few years. By that point, it had been growing and growing and growing. Um, so I'd been doing well on, like my my website had started to rank well on Google. Everything had been growing via social media, and um, I had this situation where I'd go to work, and it was a director role so it was quite demanding you know all of the graphic design from the company was my responsibility so that was a stressful job and then I'd come home and then I'd have all these emails Ah. (laughs) and um, even if I didn't take any work on even without any work it was just uh, like there was a demand my my phone kept going Um, I'd have loads of messages on social media I'd have all these emails and it, like I said, even if I couldn't res- respond to them, it, it was just a weight on my shoulders. And uh, I, for a long period of time, I'm like, I have to give up one of these two things. Yeah, absolutely. And I kept thinking, I, I never planned to go freelance. I, I never planned to build a company. That was never what I wanted to do. I My plan was to just work as a graphic designer for companies, maybe work my way up to work for a branding agency and then, you know, become someone like, um philip van dusen like you mentioned you know working in the branding agencies working on the bigger projects and stuff like that and so i never planned to go freelance it was always 
um, planning to uh, work for companies. But anyway, I um, like I said, I was stretched and I kept making my mind up. Okay, I'm going to keep my job and I'll give up Logo Geek. Right. But I couldn't give it up because I put so much time into it. So I, I was really stuck in a rut for a long time. And um, uh, and this is quite a personal story, but my mum passed away. Okay. She had vascular dementia and um, I got to spend time in the home with her and see people at the end of their lives. And right. when you see that type of thing, it makes you start to think... I'm going to get to that one day and I don't want, want to regret anything. <laughs> no, absolutely. So that really um, stuck in my mind. There was a lot of things like, I remember like Gary Vaynerchuk, I don't know if you're familiar with him. He's really big I, in the I, I marketing am, yes. industry. Yeah. Um, but he always says things like, um, the biggest motivator is that you're going to die. You know, he actually says that as a mo motivation thing. And <laughs> I, it's just, I can you know, imagine all these, him saying that as well. <laughs> all these seeds, it was like, I, I don't want to get to that age and regret not doing anything. So I, I just thought I'm going to, I'm going to hand him a notice. <laughs> and I, I went to work that day, handed him my notice. I'd been there for a long time. I'd become you know, an integral part of the company. So they was obviously disappointed. They wanted to try and keep me. And the first question my uh, boss asked me was, would you be open to part-time? Okay. And um, it's th at that time, it was I, I said, yeah, pretty much straight away. I didn't require too much thinking because it meant that I could keep the stability of a full-time job, but also have a little bit of time to work on my own thing. So um that worked really well for um for a number of years and then um a few things in my uh, personal life i um we had a little baby um who's 50 okay. months old now so you know going to work <laughs> my partner would kindly send me pictures but i felt like i, I want to be at home like i really enjoyed the the part-time you know when I was at home so anytime I had to go to work I um kind of felt like I was missing out and also um uh I've been at that company for a long time and I I felt like I wasn't really doing anything of significance anymore um you know for me personally like any of the work I did I couldn't show anyone and um it just felt like the it just felt like the right time. Like I I'd I'd been there a long time. I've I've done what I needed to do. Personally, it felt like the right time, you know, to be at home with my partner a little one. And um everything had got to a point where uh, I I had leads coming in, um, inquiries, projects had been going well. It just seemed like the right time. So in January this year, I I handed in my notice. I had a two-month um uh, notice period so I needed to work until March but as of March this year I've been um, a full-time independent graphic designer. Fantastic. Yeah. So I, as I alluded to in the intro I sort of first thought as a brand as a logo and that was pretty much it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and I think people don't kind of realize that even if you just set up for fun on social media effectively you are setting up a brand. 
If you were mm -hmm. starting a personal gin account, what factors would you consider to cultivate your brand? Okay, I think I need to correct some things that you said. So okay. a logo is not a brand. No, a I brand. <laughs> a brand. Um, I, I've heard this sentence, and I'm kind of probably going to butcher it, but the the sentence was something along the lines of. Um, a logo is the period at the end of the sentence, not the sentence itself. And I just thought that sums it up brilliantly. Absolutely. So, yeah. So the, we, we need to look at two things. So there's the brand itself, and then there's the brand identity. And the logo is one small piece of the brand identity. Okay. But the brand identity isn't the brand. And there's loads and loads of um, uh, ways that people describe it um, like there, there's lots of definitions but I like um, there, there's a guy called Marty Newmeyer who's written a number of books like The Brand Gap and Zag and uh, I believe Steve Jobs for, of Apple he was really into Marty's uh, books but he sees it a little bit like your reputation and I've heard definitions like a brand is like a folder in your mind. So in every single person's mind, they, they have this collection of memories of a company. Okay. And that is a brand. And what that means, because it's in some like a folder in someone's head, you can't control it, but you can try to manage it. So branding... I've heard the definition branding is about managing meaning, which I think is a nice um, right. Okay, uh, that's definition. So, yeah. uh, so, so a brand is like I said, this this thing that that you build over time, a little bit like your reputation. But what we can what we can control and what we can create is the brand identity, okay. and that doesn't just include the logo with gin in particular. That's the, the the packaging, the story, the advertising, what what we describe as touch points. So any um, point that your customer can come into contact with. So it could be the bottle shape, the packaging, the illustrations of it, any marketing materials, any event that you attend to promote it, all that sort of, sort of type of stuff. So when we're talking about branding we're talking about the whole identity not just the logo but obviously um i do specialize in just logo design but i also with gin in particular you almost need to see like the whole bottle as the identifiable thing the right. logo is just one small piece of that okay. so sorry I, <laughs> I i digress from your question a little bit so you what can can you remind me what the question was, it was yeah sure Instagram. sure essentially if you were starting a personal sort of gin account on yeah let's take instagram as a good example what factors would you consider to cultivate your brand okay so i think what i would do initially is work out the overall story that you want to um talk about and how you want to um come across to your audience because um something like social media you're unlikely to ever sell on that platform but what you can do is you can um build up 
that folder in people's minds, like I said, so that brand. So you can use these platforms or all these platforms out there to um, manage that meaning. So with gin, <laughs> um, I'm not a gin drinker, so I apologize if this does offend anyone, but basically it's, it's um, w without the story, without the packaging, without any identity, it's basically, you know, like a, uh, well, it's just an alcoholic drink. Like there's, there's without the, the logo and the identity, that's all it is. It's, it's a drink that people drink. Um, so how you uh, stand out from the competition is through branding and um, sorry to keep using different <laughs> explanations for it but it's it's um another term i've heard is branding is the art of differentiation so you can look different to other people and um with without without branding without an identity or a logo or packaging or anything like that if you was to go into a into a shop and try and pick out a gin you would have like a hundred in a row they'd all look quite similar you wouldn't know which one to pick like you if you wasn't allowed to taste it prior to buying it how the hell would you pick the <laughs> which one you you'd want so the, the 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 packaging on the on the shelf is what what differentiates you from others so if you've created this gin i think with gin in particular in comparison to a company from the very beginning, you kind of need to have um, some kind of understanding of how you want to come across to your audience. And I, uh, um, so I would look at it in three ways. So to understand kind of who you want to be as a as a gin. So maybe there might be a story behind it. So maybe it could be the their location or maybe there might be some heritage story to it or um you might have some personal story some fun story that came up you know like you created this gin through some silly conversation like maybe there's something special about it that that needs to be worked out i'd also make sure to look at uh direct competition uh, because when you're creating some identity through uh whether i mean through social media say you want to make sure that you look different to everyone else you don't want to create a, a gin uh identity that looks like anyone else you want to look completely different so that when people look at those 100 like say if there's 100 gin bottles along the shelf you want to be able to look at all of those and and know which one's yours you know it should stand out from the competition it should look different it should feel different it should have it should just be very different so understanding what your competition is doing is is important but the, and the the third part that i would look at would be um who you're planning to target so the type of person that you want to drink your gin and i i think um I work with a lot of different types of companies with three Lego geeks. So it's never one specific type of uh, person, but you do get a lot of people that would say, I want to target everybody. And I'm sure that's the case with 
gin as well but the problem when you target everybody is that you target is that the is is that you speak to nobody <laughs> like if you're if you're putting out messages to every single person that you think could buy it actually who's gonna pay attention to that who who are you directly speaking to it's better to um, pinpoint a specific group of people and aim to target them so it could be an age group it could be a certain type of person that's into certain things I don't know you, you can work that out the the possibilities are endless but uh, creating some kind of persona of who you want to target can really help to work out like the 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 name that you create the the look and feel of it I think it all it all works together to help you build um an overall brand so once you've worked that all out and I know based on everything I said that's not a quick and easy thing to do but once you've got that worked out you can work you can work out the type of images that you want to share so through um social media so through Instagram it's all image based you could share images of the gin being made <laughs> and if you come up with this um whole story of it being made like like say if it was made in like the 1920s by your great great grandfather you could create images or photos that look like it's being made the way it used to be made and it's made in all these like um I don't know how gin's made, but that's probably a whole episode, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you could show how it's made the way it used to be made, and you know, okay. if, if that's your thing, then you could create all these old-fashioned photos, and you could create this whole identity around that, and um, share the story, show how it's made. You can make some videos of people trying it drinking it talking about it and basically try to tell your story through it you know through images and through videos um so make it not i mean don't just post pictures of you know the the bottle and the glass share the story that goes with it share the experience because that's what you're creating you're you're not creating um just the logo you're creating this whole experience the logo is just the thing that that helps to identify your um your uh gin and it uh, a logo essentially at day one it's almost like an empty vessel like it hasn't got any meaning around it at all and i'm going to use apple as an example to explain what i mean so um uh, Apple is a company, their logo is an apple bitten out of it. And if that company didn't exist, <laughs> it would just be a, an apple icon, right? It's, it's okay. just a, an apple shape with a bite in it. But through use and through association with advertising products, um, all the stuff that goes around it, when you look at that logo, you identify that company and all the associated um, uh, if all of the associations come from that <laughs> okay. so you, that that that's what a logo does over time and use um i always like to mention the um the swastika you know the nazi swastika that is just a couple of lines on a page but you look at it you get all these 
feelings from it and uh, those two examples the apple and uh, the swatch sticker should help you understand what through use and association a logo can do so that that's just one small piece of it so I mean hopefully I'm answering your question here but once you've created that story then you can start to share that in interesting and clever ways that differentiate you from all of your competition and uh like I said, I, I mentioned audience, the type of person that you want to target. If you know exactly who that is, then you can create messages that attract that type of person. Okay. <laughs> so hopefully that answers your question, but I'm happy to go into anything in more No, I, I think it does. I just, if, if I sort of go through, because I, I, I was sort of looking at um, this on sort of a more of a person, you know, sort of a, a personal account. And I think you have answered right. it, but you've answered it in sort of a business kind of context. So I just wanted yes, to try yeah. and if you like sort of translate that and make sure that you know i'd kind of un understood it correctly so effectively what you're saying is if you like your your account is is kind of a a persona mm -hmm. and um i think you used story an awful lot which i think is a really good way of getting across because unfortunately sometimes on instagram you do get a lot of people just posting up you know a photo of a glass and um a bottle yeah you know, there's a lot of people that are really, really creative. And uh, I, I know um, some people are just, you know, they spend hours putting together this. It may be a gin and a, a glass bottle, but it's got a whole story just on the image, let alone, yeah. you know, what's actually yeah. posted in the, the description behind. But then what, what you're saying is that you're looking for, so let's say you've particularly picked a, a type of gin that effectively you're looking at not just, oh, well, this is a gin and this is how it tastes, but actually what's the story behind that? Because it's yeah. going to be much more interesting. I know I did a post last week which got uh, quite a good response because I'd kind of brought, I'd, I'd sort of put in sort of um, a sort of a magic element into it and sort of made it more of a story than a, uh, than a post. And I mm -hmm. think, you know, it really sort of resonates with what, what you were saying. Mm -hmm. Um and then what, what, you, what you're also saying is that it's really important to understand kind of who you're targeting because mm -hmm. even as, you know, a sort of standalone person with an Instagram account, I can't say Instagram, Instagram. <laughs> I keep wanting to say Instagram. I've said it on every video I've done recently. But anyway. Is that because Insta you don't like Instagram? No, I do. Instagram. I love Instagram. It's, it's one of my favorites, but I just seem to have this thing. I can't say it properly. Um but you're you're saying you're you're thinking about sort of who you're targeting, and I, I know from from my perspective, reading lots of things on business, it's really important to kind of niche down to to and understand mm -hmm. kind of what your audience is. So I think that's really um, sort of really uh, positive, and I think um, I think utilizing all that, I think people can um, sort of cultivate much better posts. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. I think that's been uh, really, really useful. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I mean, make uh, I'm, I'm just going to use a quick example uh, with, uh, say, if you're targeting two different types of audiences, you you might have um, uh, a type of gene that you want to target to a very young audience. So people that are just starting out drinking, like, like people in their early 20s. Uh, with that type of person you might want to create something that almost seems quite uh young fun and punchy in some way i don't exactly know what that is but what i find useful is to um create a mood board so use 
um, things like Pinterest or just do a Google search, find images that you feel would resonate with that particular uh, type of persona. So, you know, like a student or something like that, you could create something quite different. And then say in comparison, if you wanted to create a, an identity that almost would attract um, uh, people that are really into gin, so like your, yourself or, or some of the people that might be listening to this, who have a real understanding of it and you want to create something that has a lot of legacy to it and it's been around for a long time and you want to make sure that it um that the identity and the packaging that you create gets all the sense across and um feels like it's been around for a long time you know you create this whole story so this this particular product's been around for like 300 years or something and it's one of the um originals in some way those two would have completely different audience uh, audiences messages imagery and so on so um like the student one the images that you would create are quite colorful and and bright and you might you might want to take some have some photos done and say like a really nice club where everyone's all dressed up and um, you know they're out partying whilst in comparison the one targeting the the gin drinkers like I mentioned earlier you might want to be showing um, and you could fabricate this you might want to make a video of how this is made and how it's like all put together and how it's the finest ingredients and the the image style and everything would be completely different and and just to just to explain those it if you target one it doesn't necessarily mean that you're ignoring everybody else it just differentiates you from all of the other types so those two that i'm talking about i'm picturing the young funky one being like lots of bright colors and very bold and and maybe the bottle shape is is not what you would expect it, it could be completely uh different but very bold and bright and and colorful and the the old the the kind of the one that was made 200 years ago you could you could have a bottle manufactured that is based on uh, you could do some research into the way that bottles used to be made and how they look and you could get the bottles made in that way and you could get the the packaging made the way it used to be made or at least to look in that way so they could be quite different, but the the, the students might still want to buy that one. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and the, the 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 people that are really into gin might just happen to be interested in having something that's new and fresh. So when you are targeting that specific audience, yes, that's who you are speaking to, but other people will hear. So hopefully that makes sense. Yeah, it does. I think you've given sort of some really interesting ideas so i've certainly got some great ideas for both <laughs> now so that's fantastic <laughs> good good and um now building on story you know i love a story and i think it really helps sort of people to understand so let's say that i want to create a gin brand for a distillery and it's based on the swiss town of zermatt which i know and love and been there many times if you imagine the most picturesque vi village surrounded by mountains and snow all around it really is a fantastic place to be and you feel very sort of um what's the word i want to look for you feel very um happy and and joyous to to to, to be there and calm 
The village is dominated by a gorgeous mountain called the Matterhorn, and you may have seen it if you've ever eaten any Toblerone, because that's the, the, the mountain that's pictured on there. And in French, the mountain's called Mont Servin. And my brand, or my, my fake brand, is going to be called Mont Serve Gin. So the backstory is all about the, this mountain village and the mountain or Mont that was originally first climbed by Edward Wimper, who was a, a UK climber. And he was the first, wanted to be the first at the top, and he was. Um, and since then, the the village and the mountain has always wanted to serve the UK gin market. And in fact, the mountain is dedicated to serve gin, which is why it's now been renamed to Mont Serve Gin. What other information would you need to know in order to try and design a logo for this particular new brand? Okay. I mean, firstly, I love this brief and... Um, I've been scribbling down notes while you've been speaking okay. and right away without having any more conversation I could come up with something okay but the but the risk with that is that I haven't made the extra effort to really understand um, uh, more about uh, what you're trying to make the gin itself um, uh you know, I, I, like I said, I could create something, but then when it comes around to presenting, there's a risk that I might have missed the mark. And and um, why I say that is because it, I haven't gone in and dug in deeper. So I would, when working on logo design or branding, I would see that as just an initial brief. So okay. what I would then do is step away and uh make sure to understand as much as i can about the three areas that i mentioned earlier so about the business itself so you've explained the story of how you want to come across but maybe there's something special about the the gene itself so i'd want to try and understand about that like how does that how is that different from what's out there um is there anything special about the taste? <laughs> yeah, well, let's say it's it's a London dry gin, but it's actually mixed with cherries um, because Kirsch is a um, a big um, drink in Switzerland, which is a, a kind of a cherry liqueur. So it's actually okay. um, it's actually gin, and it's 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 kind of mixed with cherries. And I yeah, don't, okay. I don't, so... don't think there's. I don't think <laughs> there's. I know there's some potential because we when I, when I talked to Tristan last week. Um, he was talking, you know, he's got some cherry gin in development, but um, it, no, very early stages. But let's say, you know, it, it's the first gin that's a cherry gin, just for yeah, the sake sure, of this. Sure, sure. So that's that's really important. And when you gave me that initial brief, that wasn't in there. But actually, now we've we've identified right away, just by me asking that one question, that we we know that this. It needs to be unique to the location, but what makes it even more different is that it's it's got this cherry taste in it in some way. So that the 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 cherries itself could that like immediately what I visualize has totally changed. <laughs> <laughs> so um yeah, so like I I'd said um uh, I'd I'd speak with you to make sure I understand as much as I can about your business itself so where are you now like where do you see this going in in the next five years okay so let's say i'm i'm i am based in the uk but the actual gin 
the distillery is based in Switzerland, but it essentially comes, you know, to the UK. Right. Um, so we're a very small brand at the moment, but we obviously want to get out there on, you know, in the normal ways with sort of social media and that kind of thing to kind of build uh, Monserve gin and, and, and get people, you know, drinking the gin. Mm-hmm. And in terms of selling this gin, do you envision just selling it locally like so that you can only buy it there or do you see that um and i I don't mean just here today but say like in five years time do you envisage that this will be uh just sold locally just to the uk market or do you see that it could be sold globally uh, I would hope it would be sold globally. So um, initially, I would start just selling it through a website, um, and then uh, I would want to expand to different channels. You know, maybe talk to Waitrose or Sainsbury's and see if they would stock it, and then maybe then build into sort of more European locations and and perhaps sure. you know the US as well. Sure. So me asking that question, I just found out that you're going to be just selling this online for now. So that's right. In terms of um everything we spoke about differentiation because you're selling it just on your website it's it's not going to be lined up against all these other products in, in in the same way um that it would be in a shop but you also said that long term <laughs> you'd like to see it in you know all the all the usual um shops and so on so from my point of view what i need to do is understand um where and how people will see that so i usually um there are more questions that i i can go into but i'm I'm conscious of time but basically i'd want to make sure that i understand as much as i can um about the business itself the gin like the origin story what makes it different from what's out there but the next group of questions will be who is this directly competing with so, I mean, I can, the, the, the obvious one is all other gins, but maybe there are some, maybe there are already some gins that are unique to uh, Swiss towns in some way, you know, maybe there's some out there and it would be important to understand that. And, and the reason why is because when you create an identity, you want to um, uh, d- differentiate from the others, um, but still be appropriate to... <laughs> Uh, to to what you're doing so from my point of view if there are like real direct competitors so gins that are around swiss towns i'd want to know exactly what they look like and that's just so that when we create the identity we don't accidentally unintentionally create something that looks like something else already out there like that's the last thing that you want to do you want to absolutely you want to own you want to own what you create so whatever you create as as much as you possibly can with the with whatever budget you have try and create something that will differentiate from the others yeah Um, unfortunately my research didn't quite get to uh uh, work. <laughs> I, I know there are quite a lot of Swiss distilleries, but I'm I'm afraid I can't tell you off the top of my head. You know. Yeah, but... sure, sure, sure. So we we speak about that, and then um, as I mentioned earlier, you'd want to understand the type of person that you're trying to target. So by the sound of it, I mean when when you first mentioned it, it it. Uh, I, what I mean, what type of person would it be? I was going to say you'd you'd want it to be 
like tourist the area but actually that's ridiculous uh, it wouldn't be that so i'd want to make sure that i understand like the type of person that you're wanting to um attract with the packaging that with the logo and the identity that we eventually create um i, I think you know i probably want to attract attract you know sort of um uh age you know i think it, it, i don't think it's a sort of an everyday drink i think you have to be a, a really core sort of gin drinker so mm -hmm. i think it's somebody that likes sort of small batch gin really that would 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 like this because it's going to be a very sort of refined taste um i think it would also work well because it's going to be sort of a very sort of clean tasting gin it would work well in sort of uh hotels and with mixologists and that kind of thing so i think those would be the sort of key sort of areas so so people that really enjoy gin and hotels and restaurants mm -hmm. um mm -hmm. You know, your sort of four-star kind of restaurant that's going to want this in their bars to kind of show off to their clientele. Sure, sure. So um, knowing that you'd want it to look and feel like a small batch gin, so even if this was mass-produced, you'd want it to look and feel like a small batch gin. What I'd need to do after having this conversation, maybe with your help, if you was the client, is understand what a small batch gin looks like you know what what makes a small batch gin feel like a small batch gin like is it the the type of bottle the the label the styling so i'd make sure to understand um all of that but anyway what i typically do after understanding this information and i appreciate we kind of skimmed over it a little bit um i would personally i don't know how other people work but i would take all of that information i'd put it into bullet points okay and then i'd get you to sign that off and anyone else that might be involved in the process on your end and the reason why i do that is because um uh i'm working towards a target and that target is based on this criteria and it takes a lot of time and energy to work on this project. And the last thing that I want to do is to, is, is, is work on uh, an, an identity based on that criteria, come around to presentation, and then some other person come in and go, oh, actually, we, we, we're not going to use the cherries anymore. That's, that's where we've changed our recipe. From my point of view, that's completely different brief now. So all of the work that I've done, it all needs to go back to the start again. So sure. getting you to sign it off, getting anyone that might have the the final say in any way, sign it off just to make sure that everybody is singing from the same hymn sheet. Because I, I think it's important to understand that a logo design isn't just a pretty picture. It's not. It's not just there to make you look nice. It's a tool based on a strategy that aims to have a desired outcome. Okay. So everything that we've been speaking about, so um, communicating who you are and what's different about you, differentiating from the competition and attracting that specific audience. So we got very set criteria 
So it's important that um, you as the owner of the company make sure to evaluate the work based on that criteria rather than personal subject subjective opinions because it's one of the hardest things that all designers face is that everybody is a designer <laughs> and um it's uh, uh it's important that uh when you see the outcome the final thing that it's it's key that you're looking at it in the same way so that you are looking at it objectively so making sure that it is different from the competition that it says who you are that it identifies you within the landscape and that is speaking to the right people it shouldn't be um what you like and what you want it should be what what will perform successfully for your business based on your strategy and that will help you build the brand that you want so hopefully that hopefully i've answered your question <laughs> no I, th I think you have i mean I, I i sort of purposely said um and let you say um uh that it would be it it would be essentially mass produced but made out to be mm -hmm. a small batch gin i think you know i would have to have it as a small batch gin because that's 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 what i, I yeah, like. yeah yeah but let's say yeah. i i've now come back to you and said all right okay and i've read through the bullet points and actually no this it, it, it is going to be a small batch gin it's not going to how do you sort of handle you know that kind of thing when somebody comes back to you and says you know this is not quite Oh yeah, I I mean the, the 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 reason why I get that approved is just to make sure that we're on the same hymn sheet. So in that scenario, that would have been a misunderstanding of my point and you correcting it is just making it clear exactly the way it should be. So all I do is update it and then proceed accordingly. Um in fact, I I mean based on just logo design i if if that was the only feedback i proceed on the basis that that's being updated okay um right. as for the next steps how i would look at this um gin is quite unique in the fact that um your when i'm designing a logo i i i don't think i think if you're paying a designer to work on um, an identity, I don't think you should just look at the logo. Um, prior to this um, interview, I did a Google search online and um, you look at the packaging and a lot of them, it's not just a single logo. Some of them, it's an entire like system. So some, some of them have like nice little monograms stamped in. Some of them have like a, a word mark that goes around it, but a lot of them have these really nice illustrations. And and it's important to look at that all as one thing. So it's all together on the one unit, like the the actual bottle shape, the um the type of illustrations used, the the messaging that you want to go on there. Um I feel that all goes into one. So what I would do, um, even if I was just working on the logo only, 
and I don't always do this, but I think I would create some kind of mood board or what some people call them is like a stylescape okay. so that you can, you can, what I can do is based on everything that you spoke about, I could pull together images that I feel um, communicate everything that we've spoken about. So I would pull together images from the Swiss town that you mentioned. I pulled together images of the mountains, the snow, the calmness. Um, but then I, 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 I think based on other things that you, you've said, I would pull together packaging examples. So I'd, I'd search something like Behance and have a look at what packaging examples might represent this particular uh, brand. I think I'd also pull together cherry images as well because I think since that's got that cherry taster I'd put them on there but the idea is with a mood board um you can you can pull together images from any source like there's it, it's just for you as a reference point and the graphic designer so there's no like copyright or trademark issues that you could face just pull together anything that you feel has that relevance and and what that does is again it provides the extra clarity so i've got you to sign off those goals and then what i do is i i, I mean i might create more than one of these mood boards or or star starscapes generally have more on them so a, okay. a, a mood board can just be images but a starscape can could have fonts it could have um like one of the main things that you do with these starscapes is that you put on um an image of the persona that you're wanting to attract <laughs> And you okay. add on like fonts and colors and, and lots of things that could that kind of capture the look and feel. But the idea, whichever route you take, is is it's images all pulled together that capture the look and feel. And and um, some companies might just do one of these. Some of them might do a couple. Not all designers do this, but I just think because the nature of it, it's worth um getting that down on paper like the type of look and feel that you'd want to um capture and then you know once that's been signed off then when you create something you have that reference point and you're trying to create something new that has the look and feel that that matches with that mood board uh, yeah i mean i think that's really useful information because if somebody's you know employing a designer and they don't sort of talk about these kind of things then mm -hmm. you know they probably need to kind of be concerned that perhaps they're not doing the best for their particular brand it's really important yeah. to consider yeah. all of these considerations yeah it's i think it's very hard um for clients <laughs> i use clients for people or business owners to find a good graphic designer and i think if since we're talking about this topic, it's worth, um, it's not like hiring like an, an electrician where you can pretty much hire any of them, providing they got certain certifications, they can do the job. When you're, when you're choosing a designer, um, there's, there's thousands of people out there and there are people that claim that they're designer just because they have Photoshop <laughs> and they're charged a small amount of money, but they have no experience. So um, choosing someone can be very hard, but what 
the 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 best thing to do is look at the work that they've done before and if you like the look and feel of what they've done then go with them is i i think that's i think that's one of the most important things is is you need to be able to trust that they can actually do um the the type of thing that you need and uh, with gin packaging you might need an illustrator as well as a designer you might need a couple of different people to to get the look and feel that you want but a good designer um someone with the experience and the um portfolio to show what they've done if they've done the type of thing that you're looking for already or work like i do and make sure to understand as much as they can and, and you can recognize that through what they do then that's the right choice but there's loads of platforms out there like i see a lot of people using fiverr um which is it's low cost but <laughs> you don't know the experience level of that person. I mean, if they're charging $5 to do anything, can you really trust what they're going to be putting out? So, um, yeah, there's, there's endless options out there, but I would personally make sure to do your research properly, make sure that the work in their portfolio is actually their work. I've, I've known, I've seen designers actually just take stuff off, off the internet and stick it in their own portfolio. So, yeah, it's hard to. I don't. I don't envy anyone looking for a designer. <laughs> that does happen quite a lot. Um, certainly, I've seen uh, a lot of that where people just literally copy ideas. Yeah, they do. They do. And uh, um, the one of the problems when you're creating a a trademark, like that's that's what a logo is. If if you do copy somebody there are copyright laws there are um you, you can register your design as a trademark but if you're infringing on an existing trademark um you know that looks remotely similar it doesn't it doesn't need to look the same but if it's confusingly similar in some way then you can actually be taken to court and and um it could end up costing you a fortune so um, like I said about my process, understanding your competition, that's also to avoid any potential trademark infringement. Um, and so it's not just about being confused as a consumer and, and helping the consumer choose. It's also so that you're not uh, confusingly similar to another company that could take you to court. <laughs> and a good designer would factor that in i mean they, they shouldn't take full responsibility for it i think as a client you should like once you've had an identity created you should aim to register it so that you own it and and work to protect it but that's i mean that's a can of worms in itself <laughs> yeah that's probably in the whole upper other episode yeah <laughs> pretty much Okay, well, I think that's really given us a really good insight into brand and 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 logos. Um, I'm not using those in the same breath, by the way. So uh, good. <laughs> uh, so I, I have I have definitely learned something. Um, how can people get in touch with you? What's the best sort of way? Okay, so you can learn more about me and see examples of my work through my website, which is at logogeek 
www.ashley.uk. Um, but in general, on most social platforms, I am just at Logo Geek, just, just one word. Um, I've been fortunate that I have been able to register all of them as the same thing now. Um, didn't used to be like that, but <laughs> oh, okay. I worked hard to get consistent. Yeah, there was a point where I got at Logo Geek on everything, but Twitter, Twitter was Logo underscore Geek. But after trying for like eight years, I managed to convince uh, Twitter to to take ownership of this dormant account. So yeah, now just just Google Logo Geek and you should find me. <laughs> okay, fantastic. So we've had to perfect my normal last two questions because as we know, you're not a drink, gin drinker at the moment. Obviously that could all change. But So over the last couple of weeks, you've been looking at gin packaging. So what is your favorite gin packaging and how would you improve it? <laughs> Okay, so I've actually picked out three. Okay. <laughs> so, and I don't know the popularity of these brands or anything like that. All I've done is kind of like a Google search of, of gin okay. brands. But there's there's three that I've got to. One of them is really standing out for me. But one of the first ones that I've drawn attention to is Hendrix. Is that a popular one? Hendrix, Hendrix gin. Um, it's got a really nice bottle. Yeah, I think, I mean, it's, it's fairly... Um... You know, it's popular from the point of view of it's in sort of most sort of supermarkets yeah, and that sure, kind of thing. So, sure. yeah, sure. And uh, another, I mean, I mean, what drawn me to that was the actual bottle shape itself and okay. the um, the actual label. It feels very classic. And what they've done is on, on the top of the bottle, they've almost got this nice little tag. It looks like the type of thing that if you went out to buy this in the 1950s, it would look quite similar to that. And then there's another one I thought was quite cool it stood out to me it was um one called lone wolf and that has this cool wolf illustration on it which i thought was kind of cool and uh you know i mentioned earlier about the one that you'd want to target students the one that you'd want to target like the people that really know what they're doing the lone wolf one kind of feels like something like students and, and young people would probably be drawn to well the hendrix one would be i mean just based on the packaging alone i don't know anything more about it but that would be the type that I would expect someone that is uh, more experienced with gin would probably be drawn to. Uh, but one that really stood out for me, and I don't know if it's just local to them, but there's uh, Winchester Dry Gin. That bottle is stunning. And you asked me what I would choose. <laughs> yeah, I haven't heard of that one before at all. I so. mean, maybe Google it. Yeah. But yeah, so uh, have you ever been to Winchester? I have, yeah. How, yeah, so at Winchester, there's one of the buildings where it's got the King Arthur's round table thing. Yeah. That's basically the, um, so this bottle, it's got a circular logo and it's basically based off that. And then it's got this smaller label higher, which has a really nice, like, monogram. So it's like a smaller version of that. But then the cork itself, so it's got a cork at the top. Yeah, the cork is engraved <laughs> so the cork has the pattern from i don't know where it's from uh it looks quite similar to what's around the thing but it, what it looks like they've done is the designers of this have probably gone and had a look around winchester and actually like taken photos of patterns and textures and stuff like that and used it within it but uh, it's just it's probably not a popular one maybe it's just made specifically for like tourists but it's a really 
like that packaging is stunning and as for what I would do different I I love it the way that it is but I would probably simplify it down a little bit so okay. I've got it up on my screen now and I've got it about the size it would be on the packaging and uh, there are there's lots of very tiny details I would probably slightly simplify it just so that from a distance you'd um, be able to uh, dis dis distinguish b between the lines on there because they're kind of all coming together but as it is it's yeah it's it's I think it's really nice packaging and I was actually just saying to my partner like I wouldn't mind buying a bottle of that just for the um <laughs> well, it's, it's got 25 nice. botanicals in it so it must be reasonably good <laughs> although I don't I, know what I, that means <laughs> botanicals are just essentially the the ingredients so it might be I mean, obviously, juniper will be one of the botanicals. So you have to have juniper in there. But, you know, you might have like you know, lemon peel, uh, orange mm -hmm. peel, cardamom. There's, there's lots of things that can potentially mm -hmm. go in as, as botanicals. Gen generally, well, I don't know. I, I was going to say, is there a general? I'm not sure there is a really a general rule. But um, when you're up to sort of 22 sort of botanicals and above, I think you're mm. it's a fairly... Um, unique taste obviously you have to be careful i was talking to a distiller the other day who who essentially was saying that i think they were talking about something like 47 or something like that or and maybe even more i mean obviously i think once you get to that stage you know trying to bring out 47 botanicals in a cocktail or something like that is going to be get very very difficult mm. but um you know so but 25 is is kind of a quite an interesting number i think so i think it would be mm, quite an interesting mm. taste no, my uh, next door neighbor, she she really loves gin. Okay. And uh, what she does is she um, she actually keeps the bottles and uh, you can buy these corks with lights on. And she's got like the, um, she's kept the bottles with the lights in, which is quite a nice little thing to do for anyone that wants to collect the bottles. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, it's it's quite a thing. There is a company on, um, online as well that actually specializes in that, so which is quite, oh, really? yeah, <laughs> quite interesting. So, uh, And uh, lastly, what do logos mean to you? Such a hard question. Um, it's It's been quite a journey the last eight years or so um, because when I started logo geek i never planned for it to be what it is now but it's pretty much become my life so like i said i i run the community i have a podcast i'm working on projects most of the books i get are design books in some way and i'm always surprised that even after reading so many books and studying so many things there's always something new that comes up and um, it has really become a, a passion for me and it's an absolutely fascinating topic and um, so I, I don't really know how to answer the question uh, exactly but um, logos are, yeah logos fascinate me because there are millions all around the world and if you look around you now no matter where you are you will see at least a handful of logos they're an integral part of our entire society all around the world and each one just by looking at it it will have all those connections to everything that it associates with and uh 
yeah, I just find that incredible. <laughs> and uh, yeah, hopefully that answers your question. I, I think it does. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, I can see, you know, sort of how passionate you are about Logo. And I'd just like to thank you very much. I can't tell you how honoured I am to have you take the time and be on this show. It really does mean a lot to me. So thank you very much for joining us on the Gym. Oh, you're Club very podcast. welcome. And it's, <laughs> you're very welcome. And it's been an absolute pleasure. And thank you for inviting me on. Normally when I'm on podcasts, it's graphic design related. So it's nice to be on a, uh, a, a podcast that's of a different topic. And I, I hope it's been interesting and helpful to your audience. <laughs> Fingers crossed. But yeah, it's been uh, uh, amazing to be on. So thank you for inviting me. And thank you to everybody that's listened. Thank you again to Ian for coming onto the podcast. I'm seeing lots of markets open up. I've chatted to a few distilleries over the last few days and they're really starting to see those markets open up, which is really good to be able to sort of get their gins out there again. Please, please, please support distilleries as much as you can and buy from them directly. I've noticed Harrogate gin has been popping up all over the place. So that looks quite an interesting one and maybe... Uh, something that I might look to in the near future. And Tiger Gin has been absolutely making me laugh all week. I particularly love the one they put out the other week with the cat that says, when you were drinking tea but wished it was gin, it was just amazing. My Instagram shout out this week is to Kerry from at glass of gin underscore packet of seeds. I know she gets very scared with the live she does, but she seems to have done a whole load now and each one seems to get better and better. The last one with Dundee Gin, she had to cope with a few technical difficulties, but I think she coped very well. It's very difficult talking to a camera, not quite knowing when the other sort of side of the, the live is going to come on board, but I think she did very well. I loved her live with uh, Tristan from, from last week's episode, and also very recently with the Otterbeck Distillery. I loved her post on the porn star martini, particularly the picture. And I'll forgive her that it didn't contain any gin at all. And she did a great post on the marriage of two gins from Massingbird Monday. I really loved the sort of story she told in that post. I'm sad that she's had to give up her passion of rugby, but I'm glad it's been replaced by running after her two girls who look absolutely delightful. I'm not really sure quite how she manages to fit everything in with her two girls, her gardening and her gin. And I'm really hoping to see her in her next life. I would love to hear from you if you want to get in touch at Gin Ignite on Instagram or Twitter. If you've got ideas for the podcast, you can direct message me at Instagram or Twitter or podcast ideas at ginignite.com. If you've got anything that else that you want to discuss with me on the podcast, then gin.gossip at ginignite.com. The thing that I like about the gin community that I've met so far is that nobody judges anyone for what they believe, what they look like or who they choose to be. The world would be a better place if everyone took that view. Grab your drink, toast those you love, enjoy your weekend and whether you decide to party or stay in, I will be with you in spirit. Seriously though, enjoy your weekend and I look forward to joining you for another episode next Friday. Cheers! Cheers.